want to thank you for joining Inside the Pages, presented by the Cornerstone of Grace. We're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in Pomona. That is Pomona, California. Sunday Praise and Worship begins at 9 a.m., Wednesday Bible Study at 7 p.m., and on Saturdays at 11.30 p.m., you'll find us on 99.5 FM or KKLA.com, which is their broadcasting over the, um, uh, the Internet. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. Therefore, we are faithful. We are bold. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. Again, I want to thank you for joining the online service of Cornerstone of Grace. If you are looking for a church home growth ministry, I want to invite you to join us, grow with us and be blessed with us. We had some some strange difficulty going on to the air this evening, which was very unusual. But I understand these things uh, can happen. I was talking with someone and, you know, there was a time in my life I didn't believe that the enemy could get involved with even the temporal things, only to find out through the word of God that he can, if permitted. So when we were coming on, it, on uh, service starts at 7 p.m. and none of the laptops working, Technical air messages were being sent from the broadcast station, as well as even through as simple as the phone. But thank God that we're here now. I just want to share, you know, that this is a warfare and you have to fight. You know, we're in the book of Genesis and I'm excited uh, about the word of God. And I pray that you are, too. So I solicit your prayers as we are touching on what is referred to as particularization, uh, moving from the general to the particulars, the universal, uh, earth, man, and spirit. We're touching the creation and the principal person who is the cosmological, the cause of all things, and the, uh, tech, uh, the teleological, uh, the designing mind behind everything as God. So we're in the book of Genesis, the 12th chapter, and the seventh and ninth verse, it says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there built he an altar unto the Lord. He appeared unto him, and he removed from thence into a mountain in the east of Bethel. And he pinched a tent there having Bethel on the west and high on the side on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called the name of, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Want to take a thought from the passages that was read and that is he remembered to honor the Lord. Uh, that was the subject matter that I had posted um, uh, yesterday online. He remembered to honor the Lord. It's important that we remember to honor him. It's so easy that we can go through a day, become overwhelmed with situations and circumstances that we do not remember to honor him. 
But when we remember, when we remember to honor him in all things, you know, the Bible said, if we acknowledge him in all our ways, he shall direct our path. And so with that uh, reminder, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and grace. Lord God, we thank you for your mighty hand, which is in the moving of your spirit. Lord God, we thank you. Lord, I pray and ask that you would touch each one that is uh, signed in, that is listening in this moment, Lord God, and those that will be coming in later. Those that will be listening, Lord God, when they wake up in the morning, Lord, as they go through their day, as they come to a close of their day. Lord God, we pray and ask that you would have your way. Lord Jesus, that you would move by your power, Lord. Lord, bless, Lord God, your people. Lord, you know the need of each individual. You understand, Lord God, the dynamics behind every situation. You know just what needs to be done, Lord God. And so we pray and ask for your help. We pray and ask for your guidance. In Jesus' name, amen. He remembered to honor the Lord is what we're talking about. He remembered. You know, are you remembering? It's important that we remember. And, you know, as much as sometimes people may not like it, but I can't help it. I'm going to talk about the Lord. I'm going to remind in a general conversation outside of technology, you know, which I can even tie him into that. Um, I'm going to talk about him. If I'm having a general conversation about sports, whatever, I can enjoy the sports, but I'm going to remember the Lord and all that I do. And I'm not using it, you know, in remembering the Lord. It's not to be used as a hammer. We don't beat people up with the word of God. We're not dogmatic, but we remember. It's important that you remember the Lord. And so uh, how are you remembering him? You know, when, when we talk about remembering God, we're talking about doing what he wants to be done. Uh, a minister, a friend of mine was, was speaking not too long ago, and I was really blessed in the subject matter uh, because the question was asked, uh, are we speaking God's love language? You know, everyone has a love language and whether you've heard that statement or not, everyone does. Everyone has a love language and God has one. And are we speaking his language? Have we gotten to know him personally Did we, so that we can understand what he wants from us and, you know, and we're all we're on the same uh, we're on the same line. We're talking the same thing. And that, that's what God is looking for, for us to be of one mind, to be of one people. And so when we talk about or mention the altar, people think about uh, some of the following. Uh, they think about the Christian or in the Christian church. And I, I don't use that term Christian uh, too much because it's not a term that God uses. It is not a term that is in the Bible except in two places, and that is where the people are being made fun of and where Peter mentions it um, in that if someone is taunting you um, as a Christian, so again, being made fun of, then he gives instructions for that. But from Genesis to Revelation, God speaks of his people as saints. The table in the church where the bread and wine are consecrated in the communion service. So people think of that as an altar. I was at a church one time and they had a shelf um, set up with a bunch of trinkets on it. 
um, to represent what they believed in. And we were using their building. I asked, could I move that particular item out of the way? And they said, yes. Well, later on when they came in and they saw that it had been moved, uh, they said, you moved our altar. Now, I didn't consider the table with the uh, trinkets that they had on it as an altar, but they did. And so uh, the altar is also uh, considered by some as a covering or a truly living a, a, sec, a sanctified life that Ina uh, spoke about, you know, a, a flat, a something of a flat service, uh, a flat top. And, and, you know, religious rituals, especially making sacrifice or offerings to a, de a deity. And so um, people even to an idol worship have altars that they have set up to make sacrifices on. It's usually the altar is raised uh, in an area in the house of worship, no matter what type of house of worship they, they refer to. Uh, in our case, we're talking about honoring God with an offering. Um, it's also referred to as God's table, a sacred place for sacrifices or give offerings um, unto the Lord. Now, these are terminologies that people have come up with um, after, uh, after the fact. This was not present. There was uh, when Abram uh, made an offering unto the Lord. Neither was, um, as far as we know of, uh, that it was a table when uh, Cain and Abel uh, made offerings. And I'm kind of ahead of myself with that. But uh, when I think of the altar, I'm reminded of them, uh, Abel and, and Cain. Uh, but even earlier, Adam and Eve, who were the recipients of the first sacrifice. Now, when they they were naked, they were not ashamed. However, when they sinned, when they exited from the will of God, when they followed their own agenda, a sacrifice was made for them. And they were given uh, coats of skin to wear to cover up their nakedness. Now, this was a temporary covering uh, of their shame. But there was a that sacrifice had to be made up on an altar. What type of altar? The Bible doesn't tell us anything about the altar that that sacrifice was made upon. Now, Man reverenced what Noah did as building the first altar. Now, I believe Noah did what he knew to do as it was handed down. So I don't believe, personally, I don't believe Noah was the first person to build an altar because of the fact that uh, Cain and Abel made sacrifices unto the Lord. Uh, the Bible tells us in Genesis uh, 3 and 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothe them. So there was a sacrifice that was made. There was a, a, something occurred there. Uh, not just something, but a sacrifice for them to have the skins uh, of, that clothed them. Genesis 4, 1 through 7 says, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have begotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. 
And we know the ground had been cursed for Adam's sake. And in the process of time, it, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why are you upset? Why are you angry? And why is thy countenance falling? If thou do well, shall thou not be accepted? And so we can all take a lesson from that, that if we uh, do well, if we do a God's will, it will be accepted. Now, I can't imagine Abel or Cain on hands and knees in the dust of the ground with the sacrifice preparing it. I believe that they went to an elevated surface of some type, whether it was a, a rock or something that, that they had um, identified with and used it uh, to make a sacrifice upon. Uh, make no mistake about it. What we do to honor the Lord is either acceptable or unacceptable to him. When we look at the example of Abel, then consider the sacrifice of Cain and God's response uh, to what he did, uh, that should ring some bells with us each time we come into the house of God to worship Anytime we are uh, in an assembly uh, unto the Lord, how is the service being carried out? Let's examine for a moment what inspired Noah to build an altar and what inspired Abram uh, to do the same. Now, Noah, the Bible said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Do you recognize the grace that God has given you? Do you recognize his mercy, his love? Do you recognize his goodness, uh, you know, um, are we are we just taking things for granted? It, it rained here in uh, Southern California in the area where I'm at, and I love the rain, but I know that the rain benefited everyone, whether they was calling upon the Lord or not. But I'm telling him thank you for the rain because it was gracious of him to send it. It was merciful. Whether anyone else says thank you, you should be saying thank you. We all should be saying thank you unto him. The Bible tells us that Noah walked with God. So Noah had a relationship with him. He was had a friendship that was nurturing and he had an understanding from the Lord. They were, uh, Noah was seeing eye to eye with God. You know, that, that phrase, you know, you, we see eye to eye. The Bible tells us, how can two walk together except they agree? And, and so in order to walk with the Lord, you have to be in agreement with him. And if we're not in agreement with him, then we're not walking with him because we're at odds. Noah walked with God. He had a relationship, a friendship, and an understanding of what God wanted. Noah did all that the Lord asked him to do. Now, you'll find all this in the sixth chapter of Genesis. Noah did all that the Lord asked him to do. Are we doing what God has asked us to do? Someone said that, you know, as human beings, you know, you're, you're subject to sin. No, the, the, to sin or not to sin is within our power. Just like to be perfect. The Lord told Abram, walk, walk before me and be perfect. Well, God does not tell us to do something that we cannot do. He told us to be holy because he's holy. And so, again, he's not telling us to do something that we cannot do. 
God spoke to Noah and said, I see your righteousness. And, and because of that, he saved him and his family. Now, let me, let me back up a moment here. When, when we talk about holiness, some people get really offended and think that, well, when you say I'm holy unto the Lord, that you're, you're putting yourself above everyone else. No, it's just saying I'm not going to follow what other people are doing that are offensive to God. That's what separates believers. Now, there are two types of believers. There are those that practice what they believe, and there are those that just believe. All right. God saved him and his family. That's the sixth, seventh chapter of Genesis. And the Bible said God remembered him. So after the flood, God remembered Noah. He remembered they were in the ark, not that he had forgotten. But his focus went back to them and the fact that they were going to or need to exit from the ark. Now, people ask God for grace and to remember them when it comes to the temporal things. They're not seeking a relationship with him. As you know, all relationship requires some sacrifice and effort. It doesn't matter what relationship you're in, you're making some type of sacrifice and uh, the person that you're in a relationship with, friendship or whatever you want to call it, is also making some type of sacrifice. We notice things about each other, even when we when we we may have a lot in common with one another, but there are some little things that we might notice that that we accept because we like the company that we're in. God likes your company, and He likes mine, and so there are some things that He um, look forward to. And there are some things that when he doesn't look forward to, he will correct us on too. That's what a friend does. A friend will, will, will put you in check and let you know when you're out of order as well. And so relationship requires sacrifice and effort. Uh, people ask God for things, but they're not asking for a friendship or a uncompromising understanding. They want to compromise uh, along the way. I'm not looking to compromise anything, and I hope that you're not either. You know, God doesn't compromise with us, and so we shouldn't do that to him. They're not willing to do all that the Lord asks of them. Uh, neither are they ready to give God something to work with. Are you giving him something to work with? Are you willing to do what he asks of you? Hmm. He's not going to ask you to take your firstborn and to and, and to take them to the mountain and sacrifice them. No, he's not going to do that. Uh, he, the Bible tells us over in Romans that he asked us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, a living sacrifice. When we consider the, the blessings that people receive, people say, I'm blessed of the Lord. And, you know, and. And you can't say that they're not because the Bible tells us the sun shines upon everyone and the rain comes for everyone. And there's a universal law that says you will reap what you sow. And that doesn't mean is that that's not uh, narrowed down to just something bad happening. You, you reap good. Many are reaping good. Uh, people that followed Jesus when he was here up on the face of the earth at that time uh, were recipients of blessings and healings. It doesn't mean they were saved, but they were recipients of blessings. Without a commitment to Holy Ghost, which which to holiness, you need the Holy Ghost. 
without a commitment to holiness, uh, which God requires, it's a prerequisite for staying in his presence, then no one is going to be there. Only those that are, are, that are holy, they heard the word and they, they applied it. Now, do you remember God? Do we remember him for things or do we remember him because he's sovereign? I think that's the most important thing that we remember God because he's sovereign, who he is. You know, if, if, you, if we just honor him for who he is without asking for things, it makes a difference. It makes a difference because by the time you get to that point where it's, Lord, I need some help in whatever area that help is needed in, it, there's no question that you've been walking with him. And he said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Abram's encounter with God was different from Noah's. The language by this time had changed. The language that Noah and everyone used were, was a common language. And you'll find this in, in uh, Genesis the 11th and a chapter, the 10th chapter as well. Uh, the language had changed. People were, uh, were of one um, until they were scattered. Uh, Genesis 11. Now, it doesn't mention the, the worship of the Chaldees or Abram uh, participation of worship. And my question to the, the Bible students has been and will be, is there a scripture identifying idol worship before and immediately after the flood? Something to think about. I won't give the answer to that this evening. Genesis, the 10th and 11th chapter, speak to us about the establishing of the tribes and nations. Genesis 6, 11 to 13 says the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, Matthews, Jesus is speaking to those listening in the 24th chapter of Matthews. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating. So we know what they were doing. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, and they were giving in marriage. So they, had, they was doing a lot of the stuff that we see that is happening today until the, the day that Noah entered into the ark. This was a, a change, a game changer here. When Noah entered into that ark, they, people had been watching Noah build that ark, hammering, cutting, may, you know, until he entered into the ark. And when he went in that ark, when they saw all the animals go in and they saw Noah go into that, that changed things. And they did not know until the flood came. So even though they saw him, they were still a little off and when the flood came and took them all, the Bible said that's how the coming of the Lord is going to be. So we know from uh, that in Noah's day what they were doing. They were eating, drinking, and just getting lit. They were doing all that they wanted to do. Romans 1, 18 through 23 said it is very clear that men and women continue to do what they wanted to do. You know, that phrase, do you, boo. And so you keep doing you. Now, some of us is doing God. Others are doing themselves. The Bible said, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which be known of God is manifest in them. So this is speaking about people that know God. This is not talking about people that's never been saved. This is not talking about people that's never been, been to church, so to speak. This is not talking about people that have that did not understand his word. And, and I'm going to say this include this includes Judaism, and it includes what people refer to as uh, the living saved, living saved. And so um, Jews is not a, it's not a nationality, that's a religion. Uh, is, the nation of Israel is a, a nation of people. And so they practice, some of them practice a religious belief called Judaism. And, and so, um, and that's where that phrase come from. Uh, and that's what is being used as many times people think of it and say and think of the entire nation of Israel as Jews. No, they're Israelis. And some of them practice Judaism. The Bible said, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, that God has showed it unto them. So God has manifested himself unto them, just like he did for Noah and he did for Abram. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Hmm. Make no mistake about it. God has a way of communicating to us where we clearly understand. It doesn't matter what language a person speaks. It don't matter their education level. It doesn't matter even if you think they're mentally challenged. God knows how to communicate with everyone. Someone asked the question, said, what about those people you know, that live in foreign lands and, you know, they don't have quote unquote missionaries. Listen, um, the English, European Saxons, uh, the people that invaded the, the United States or what is referred to as America when it was already occupied with people, already had uh, a nation of people, nationality of people, ethnic group of people here living here. And some of them knew God already. And so it is not for the quote unquote American or Europeans that feel that, oh, if we don't evangelize the world, they don't know God. That is not true. God doesn't put himself in a vacuum like that. Never have and never will. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that were made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination. And their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds, four-footed beasts, and creepy things. And so Romans speaks about the fact that uh, that people have changed things even after knowing the Lord. And when we go back to Genesis, um, as Paul is, is mentioning this here to, to the church in Rome, but when we look at Genesis, the Bible said man was corrupt. They had evil imaginations. They were doing things. They were doing things. Now, this doesn't give you a complete answer to the question that I asked earlier uh, about um uh, about them worshiping idols and where to find that at in the scripture. Uh, but it gives you an idea that they were doing some foolish things. And you can finish reading the rest of chapter one on your break. Now, these same characteristics are part 
and were part of the corrupt culture as mentioned. Ungodliness, unrighteousness, knowing truth, but ignoring it for their own agenda, having the knowledge and, and a personal experience with God, but yet ignoring him. They did not glorify him as sovereign God. They were unthankful. Vain imaginations caused them caused their heart to be darkened. The Lord spake to Abram as he is speaking with you, as he is speaking with me. He told him to move, get out from among them. Go to the place I am going to show you. Abram moved. He became, uh, he walked in a direction, uh, not really knowing at that point, where am I going? He was moving because God said move. Hebrews 11 eight said, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out uh, to go out of a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. When God speaks to us, when he speaks to you and I, we may not understand everything that we're to do because it may not be given all to us in one time. But we are responsible to move. We do need to get up and take some form of action to let him know that we hear him. It's not just a yes, Lord. When I hear people saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm wondering what is he saying? There's a lot of yeses going on, but what did he say? Can you pencil it out? Can you write it down in a tablet? Can you um, hit record on your phone and and repeat it in the phone so that you don't remember. What did he say? Was it a message to everyone or just you? Because there's a lot of yeses. Action speaks louder than words. The Bible said, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, unto thy seed will I give this land and there build an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence into a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the west and high on the east. There he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord and Abram journey going on still toward the south. Let's build a place to offer sacrifices unto the Lord. Whether we have a church building, whatever assembly or fellowship that you're, uh, that you're part of, Encourage the pastor, encourage the ministers. Be on the altar. The altar is for the saints. And it doesn't mean that we've done anything wrong to be on the altar. And it doesn't hurt to pray and ask God to forgive us, even if we did, if we don't know that we did anything wrong. You know, Daniel prayed and Daniel asked God to forgive and pardon sin. And Daniel had not did anything wrong from what we can tell. But yet he still asked God to forgive. He still asked the Lord to pardon him and not only him, but also to pardon the people uh, that he was with. That's why they was in Babylon. But he didn't do anything wrong. So when we go to the altar, when we, we know the altar has been established for us, it's a place where the Lord receives sacrifices. It's a place where he received praise. Sometimes when you're at the altar, it doesn't mean that you're praying. Sometimes you might just be there 
singing your favorite song unto the Lord. Maybe you're just there, just quietly there. At the altar doesn't mean that we have to open our mouths up. Sometimes we need to just be still. The Bible said, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we just need to be there and just sit quietly and wait on him. Don't have to say anything. Just be there. You don't know when the Lord is going to show up. You don't know when he's just going to be there with you. <laughs> Mighty God. The Bible said that Zachariah, uh, Zachariah had went to the temple to, to handle uh, his priestly duties, and that was the burning of incense, which represents the prayers of the saints. And while he was there, when he looked on the right side of the altar, there was Gabriel. You don't know when the Lord is going to send a messenger. You're just there at the altar. You know, Abram built an altar to honor the Lord. He remembered him. Noah built an altar to honor the Lord. Abel and Cain made sacrifices, and I believe that they were there was a sacred a designated place that they went to to make that sacrifice. It was not just uh, flesh thrown on the ground, on, on, but it was a designated place. God himself gave Adam and Eve coats of skin, which meant that there was a sacrifice made. That sacrifice was made upon an altar. Now, you might say, where do you get that from? How do you know there was an altar? Well, when we look at Moses, and we're going way ahead of ourselves, everything that he built um, was uh, later on was because the Lord showed him what was existing in glory. John in his, uh, while he was on the Isle of Patmos, said that he had saw a lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world. So the, the thought of an altar existing and the sacrifice that was made for Adam and Eve is, is not far-fetched. Do you have a quiet place that you go and pray, that you consider or would consider uh, a sacrificial place, an altar? You know, even if you're just going in the shoe closet and just praying unto the Lord, or listening, or just there to say hello. I remember when I when I first when the Lord first started dealing with me. I didn't know nothing about prayer, and I, I, I'm not going to claim that I do today. One thing I did know was to go. I just felt led to go into the closet, and I would just go in the closet and, and kneel, and and I would just repeat the only thing I knew, and that was uh, the Lord's prayer, "Our Father which art in heaven." That's all I knew. And so it don't take a lot of words. We're not trying to create a word salad. God doesn't, he's not interested in a bunch of words. He's interested in sincerity. He's interested in those that are willing to commit their ways unto him. Again, let's, let's acknowledge him as being sovereign God. We don't have to ask him for things. No. Spend, spend the time just acknowledging him for who he is. And you'll understand, you'll see the difference that it makes. All right.
Thank God for, for this time that he has given us. Continue to pray for me as prayer is needed, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to it's, um, dig into some of this uh, technology that uh, these laptops and um, we're not working and why we're getting the air earlier. But if you pray for me, God will give me the guidance and, and, and the knowledge to understand what what transpired or he'll give it to someone else that will help. Listen. I want to thank uh, those that are and have supported the ministry. Um, the Lord is blessed that three books have been written and published this year, um, inspired, you know, by um, the move of his spirit in my life and what God has done. The first book that was written was called Alliance, the Watchman's Line and Barbed Wire, uh, which deals with the entanglements of life. Everyone deals with some and will deal with some type of entanglement. And to know that you're not the only one is important or how to get out of it. Or, you know, the fact that in my entanglement, someone reached down and pulled me out. Now I'm able to reach down and pull someone else out. The second book that was written this year was The Lost But Found. And thank God, because we all have been lost. And there are some things that you may have lost and you thought you wanted it back and you really don't need it back. There's some things you're not going to want to come back. And so, you know, um, it provides a good understanding of, of what lost and found is. And it can be painful, but it can also be joyful. The third book that is, is uh, in editing right now and is soon be published, and that is The Seventh Day. When the sixth day ends, the seventh day begins. Now, this is dealing with the book of Revelation. And I've read, I've understood the book of Revelation. But not only that, uh, this particular book has really brought it to an easy to read understanding. It is really, uh, you know, um, we have dummy books. And so uh, this particular <laughs> this particular book, I want it's not a dummy book, but, you know, you understand what I'm saying. It has been brought to a level um, so that people can understand exactly where did the message start and when will the message end about the coming of the Lord? When will the seventh day end? No man knows that that hour or the day. The Bible is very clear about that. But we do watch the signs and the times. We do know that there is a parallel that will occur. And I won't go no further than that. But, um, but look for this. This is uh, an Amazon. And so, again, it's supporting the ministry. And thank God for those that are, um, are have blessed the, the ministry. Thank God for you. And with that being said, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you, Lord God, for your word this evening, Lord God, and how you have blessed. Lord God, we thank you for this moment in time that you have given us. Lord God, we are humble. Lord God, in, in speaking your word, we're humble, Lord God, in being able to hear it. We're humble that you would even convict our hearts against unrighteousness so that we can be found righteous in your sight. Lord, we want to be found pleasing. We want to be found doing your will so we can hear your voice say, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Lord God, continue to watch over and keep us, Lord God, until we come back at the appointed time. Lord Jesus, we'll be careful to give your name the praise and to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Be blessed.